Well, good day to our listeners here at The Middle Podcast. My name is Jim Nelson, and I get the great honor of once again hosting you over the course of the next 15 minutes or so. This production continues to be a ministry of Living Word Church in Oak Harbor, Washington. We have been in the book of James for the last five weekends now. And if you are newer to our show and aren't quite aware of the background, we generally take the previous week's sermon and release an episode sometime during the middle of the week. And that's where we come up with the name The Middle Podcast, right? The whole purpose is to remind us of practical application that was preached from Scripture on Sunday and then offered as an encouragement to us to be not only be hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word throughout the week. And that, of course, does come from the book of James, so very appropriate for the last five weeks of our conversation. We had the honor this past weekend of hearing Pastor John Acatero close out the book of James with chapter 5. I was gone this weekend at our son Adam's college graduation, so I listened to it on the Living Word Sermon Player, and I'll just say this. I am really excited to build off John's sermon to encourage us all this this coming week. I was particularly excited about James's writing about the church and wealth. John got to tackle a difficult topic within the church this week, but at times I don't think we talk about it enough. This is a topic that really, quite honestly, just challenges our walk with Christ. So the more I read and study our Holy Scriptures, I am regularly just amazed at how the multitude of authors, how they could convey God's purposes for and Jesus' fulfilling of the human experience. And this week, I'm just amazed at how the authors tackled a subject that no generation in history hasn't struggled with, and that's the issues of wealth and money and just our stuff. So I found a great article written about Peter Granditch. He's a longtime follower of Christ, and his belief in Jesus has shaped his approach to financial planning at the company he owns, Trinity Financial Management Company. And I found a 2012 Forbes magazine article that offers this quote, where he links this struggle with our money and our stuff with a modern-day take on these subjects. He, he writes, Granditch writes, The writers of the Bible anticipated the problems we have with money and possessions. There are more than 2,000 references in Scripture. Our whole culture now is built on the premise that we have to have more money and more stuff to feel happy and secure. Public storage, and this is, this is great. Public storage, he says, is the poster child for what's wrong with our approach in America. We have too much stuff because we bought into the myth fabricated by Wall Street and Madison Avenue that more stuff equals more happiness. So with that as a lead-in, Pastor John invited us this past Sunday to revisit or visit for maybe the first time for some of us, the early church way back in its earliest days. In chapters 2 and 4 of the book of Acts, we see the early church's approach on money and possessions, and the word Luke chose to describe it is koinonia. If you grew up or maybe attended a Protestant church in the 1990s and the 2000s, then, then you've probably heard this word. And as I was writing out my notes for the episode, I wasn't sure how to spell it, so I asked Google, how do I spell koinonia, which I didn't spell right, but it got me the answer. It did give me an Oxford Dictionary a reference that showed the correct spelling, obviously, and that was great. But they did have this little prompt that said, learn more. So I pressed on it. 
one of the items that I could view was this cool little timeline starting in 1800 and ending at 2019 on how often this word was used during those time frames. And so um, what was really funny to see is prior to 1950, this word was very rarely used. But after that, it starts this uptick in the 1950s and just moves up and it peaks in the 1990s and the early 2000s. And it's been on a, a bit of a decline since then. But it made me think back to sermons that I have heard in that time frame, because that's exactly the time frame where I, I started following Christ. And I seem to remember very many times in that early walk, uh, listening to pastors talk about koinonia. And then I started thinking, do I hear it recently? And not so much. So that graph, I think, was pretty accurate. So then what is koinonia and why did Luke take a couple of opportunities, chapter 2 and chapter 4 in the book of Acts, like I mentioned, to let us know that this was the way the early church was walking in the ways of Christ. So, if you ask anyone that listened to those sermons 15 to 25 years ago, and you pose the question, what is koinonia, they would probably say it's fellowship. And they would be accurate because that's pretty much what the English Bible translations would say. So, take a listen to Acts 2.42. It says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, there it is. They devoted themselves to the koinonia. Fellowship is an interesting word and topic and one that we really don't use outside of the church setting, right? If you're like me, when you hear fellowship, I think of hanging out. I think of getting together with other Christians. Maybe we eat together. Maybe we uh, break out a Bible study. Perhaps we pray together. Back in my early Christianity, uh, we would play some afternoon church softball, but largely just enjoying life together with other Christians. So if you thought like that, I'm not saying you and I were wrong with that picture, but if you take Acts 2.42 as a list of things that this early Christian community was doing together, okay, so check this out. Our Bible study could be already covered under the phrase, the apostles' teaching, right? Or having a meal together could be covered by the breaking of the bread, and the prayers that we get together and pray with each other could be covered by the saying, the prayers together. So, And there is no church softball in Acts 2.42, so we'll leave that alone. But my question then is this, if koinonia, the fellowship, is just getting together and praying together and learning the ways of Christ together and eating together, well, why is this koinonia even included in the list? Doesn't that just make it repetitive? Wouldn't that word just re be repetitive of all the other things that we think it is? Why does Luke mention koinonia unless it's a little bit different than all these other activities and what I traditionally thought it was? So we get a great, we get a number of clues, but we get great clues from uh, how the word koinonia is used in the New Testament. But most importantly, we get a huge clue when we read how those early believers leave their lives. What does koinonia mean? Acts 2.44 continues, it says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. And that's the word koinos, which is an adverb derived from koinonia. But don't just stop there. <laughs> we got to continue because Luke highlights what this commonality was. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And if you, if you have time and you want to go to Acts 4, 
you'll see another story, it's a very similar story, of this konyos or this common living, this attitude that they had living as a community of believers. So just to summarize, we read that they had a remarkable ability to recognize the needs of others, and they must have had an amazing system set up to manage those needs. But what is so noteworthy is that they didn't just pray about those necessities, right? But they relied on themselves and their community of believers to answer those prayers. They devoted themselves to something other than their own accumulation of stuff. I think we'd most likely call it sharing today. They shared their wealth and their stuff as if it was not exclusively just for their own self-consumption. And this was across the board, the wealthy, the not-so-wealthy. They were, they were all living like this. One of my favorite ways that koinonia is translated in parts of the New Testament is a contribution. Okay, So koinonia, a contribution. And I guess I use it as a personal example to see why this translation is so appropriate for the church. This example is in the context of wealth, okay? But the contribution isn't limited to wealth. It's contribution of time, contribution of your talents, what you're good at, all that kind of stuff. But this one will just come from a wealth standpoint to make a point. When Kristen and I contribute to Frontiers USA, it's a ministry taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to majority Muslim people groups around the world, fantastic group. I don't think that our monthly donation and then a little special Christmas gift that we give uh, in December is going to meet all the needs of the missionary family that we are supporting, right? Far from it, quite honestly. But the beauty of our contribution, along with the conyos of a multitude of Christian families, Christian singles, youth groups, mission departments, you know, so many others around the world, we get the opportunity to pool our resources and say, look what we can do together as a unified community of believers devoted to the gospel of Jesus Christ and being led by His Spirit. It's absolutely mind-blowing when I think about it that way. We get to be one small part of that gospel spread. So I'll bring this to a close, but I wanted to remind all of our listeners and myself of a ministry that Pastor John mentioned this past Sunday, Living Works. Keep an eye out for this because this will be a great way to express our fellowship, our koinonia, of sharing and contributing our talents, our time, our resources to meet needs within this immediate community. It's going to be a great opportunity to serve alongside our Living Word community. So thank you for listening this week. I hope you'll tune in again next for our our next episode of The Middle Podcast. God bless you.